In the name of Jesus. Amen. I'm pretty sure there are eight parts of speech in English. I say pretty sure because I learned that in, in, uh, in school, but I also learned there were nine planets. So, and poor Pluto and all that. So, eight parts of speech, I'm pretty sure that's right. Um, in English, funny thing about languages is that different languages um, have different numbers and not all the same parts of speech. Um, for example, I read that some of the Native American languages do completely without adjectives. So something. Uh, thinking of that, I thought of something else. So I thought works, one thing to another. I get this clickbait, maybe you do too, on, on Facebook that will show like a picture of uh, with uh, potato chips and cookies and ice cream and french fries and cake and pizza. And then the caption will say, if you had to give up one of these forever, which one would it be? And then thousand people who have nothing better to do answer, I guess. Me among them sometimes. So it made me think, again, what if you did this clickbait if you had to give up one of the parts of speech? Which one would it be? You know, nouns, verbs, pronouns, most all languages have those three. And what are the other ones? Adjectives, adverbs, conjunctions, interjections, prepositions. I think that was I think that was eight. Which one would you give up? Um, the correct answer is adverbs. Really? Um, it's the Christian answer, actually. It would make that, it'd make that uh, and I'll tell you why in a minute, it would make that uh, the fun thing that the munchkins do when the Wicked Witch is dead rather difficult. You know, she's not just dead, but morally, ethically, spiritually, physically, positively, absolutely, undeniably, reliably, not only merely, but most sincerely dead. Hard to do that without adverbs, couldn't. But still, the Christian answer, at least for my money, is we get rid of adverbs, and it's this reason, um, because some adverbs, especially some of the most used ones, there are used ones especially, the most used ones, adverbs like just and only and actually and really, those are some of the words that hold a whole lot of posturing and excusing and excusing and justifying of this and that, uh, this and that, that that we sinners are up to quite a bit of the time. I was only trying to have some fun. I didn't really mean to hurt anybody. I'm actually not that bad of a person. I was just, and just is the absolute worst word as an adverb, uh, worst because it's pretty solid as an adjective, the just woman. But as an adverb, I was just being honest. Well, no good at all, these adverbs. I mentioned last week how in these uh, Lenten meditations, they would not be uh, grammar lessons, <laughs> but how we'd be working our way through the Passion narrative this year according to St. Luke. And last week, if you were here for Ash Wednesday, we began the first 13 verses of Luke 22. And... Um, all the darkness in there, betrayal and Satan and preparations for death and, and the preparations for the Passover. It's kind of how we ended that, that Jesus in the midst of all that darkness and betrayal and death, we have this Jesus who is yet somehow the one who prepares, who's ready for everything. On Ash Wednesday, we said he's prepared, already prepared, even for your, for your death. He's made preparations for that Jesus who makes preparation for Passover is prepared for all. 
Well, this week, we, we keep moving through, and we're going to do that all the way through 22 and 23, uh, making our way through this passion narrative in the next uh, four Wednesdays. And now they're in the upper room, in this prepared upper room. Um, you notice with the little uh, uh, ellipsis in the text, we skip some verses. It says they're in the upper room. We skip the actual stuff we're familiar with, the, the institution of the Lord's Supper. We'll come back to that at the end of Lent and Holy Week. Um, but we, we move a little bit forward to another part of something we're also familiar with, disputes, a dispute about who is the greatest. The dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And this is why the grammar lesson, imagine, imagine how the adverbs must have flown in that dispute. Right there in the middle of this is my body, take drink, take drink my blood. It's you're always thinking you have to be number one. You want to be the best, but you're never around when anyone genuinely needs you. Do you truly think Jesus actually likes you? I'm obviously the only one who's mature enough to take on this operation. I just really, ooh, beware the double adverb. I just really want to do whatever is best for the mission. And clearly, that is me being totally in charge. Simon, a.k.a. Peter, he's the, he's, uh, uh, which means the rock, you probably know that, but he's called Simon here, called Simon here by Jesus, maybe because he's not um, at his rockiest. He gets called out, I'm guessing maybe, maybe because Peter thought he had won the adverb fest. <laughs> the other ones had said to him, but Peter, Jesus literally called you Satan like a week ago. <laughs> to which Peter responds, well, that's just, because I'm the only one willing to speak up. He was clearly kidding, and that really just showed how comfortable with me he is. And Simon gets extra gutsy. We know this too. Lord, I am ready to go with you even. A lot of English translations put that in there, and I think they should, that even adverb. Lord, I am willing to go with you even to death, and, or even to prison, and even to death. And then Jesus' uh, well-known response, I tell you, Peter, and I wonder if there it's an ironic Peter, I tell you, Peter, Rocky one, you will deny me three times. Before the rooster crows, you will deny that you even, that should be in there, even, know me. I spoke last week of how dark this whole story is. It gets dark. You know the, you know the story. It's good to, re, to re, rehear it every year. A darkness out of which God last week is that God is in that darkness reweaving and, and re-jigsawing to bring even light out of that darkness. But first, just so dark. A darkness not only in its culmination in that sunless Friday, but a darkness in everything getting there. How full of evil it is, how on full display in this story is the very worst, not just of these adverbists back then, but how on full display is the human condition that envelops us all. During Lent, we just uh, we don't just <laughs> we don't observe the darkness from afar, but we observe how the darkness invades us like those nasty adverbs and the posturing and excusing and accusing and justifying they hide. Fine, I'm not perfect, but of the two of us, I'm clearly the good one in this relationship. You never listen. I'm always cleaning up your messes. 
I'm sorry someone got hurt, but I was only trying to do what's best for me and my family. Do you truly think that I'm actually supposed to love that guy? Actually supposed to give her some of my time? Come on, those were just words. It was just online. Those damnable adverbs. And we're so damnably good at them. No wonder the very first adverb in the whole Bible comes from whom? You got it. To Adam and to Eve. Did God really say? Object lesson. I brought a weather vane (laughs) today because I have a chance to use it. I purchased it... um, Right before COVID, I was going to use it for a children's message, but that never happened. I'll still use it. There's no children here, so they will, won't know. Um, <laughs> don't tell. I purchased it um, when I, I heard about this Pope, Pope Nicholas I in the ninth century. I may have told this before. Play along if, I, if you know it. Um, Pope Nicholas I, who, who mandated that all churches um, put a weather vane on their church, and not just any weather vane, but a rooster uh, weather vane um, put on the top of the churches. Uh, rooster weather vanes as a reminder of, of Peter's rooster that reminded him, that reminded him with all his evens and reallys that he's still a denier at heart, a reminder for all those who would pass under the rooster into that church that even in all their adverbing and their evens and posturing and reallys and actuallys that there's hope and forgiveness even for them. We probably ought to have one in our church. Um, in, my, in my office, I have it set up on, on top of something and uh, I have the arrow pointing toward Jerusalem. You can do that with your iPhone, you know, say, where's Jerusalem? It's, and I have it that way because it points to where the cross once stood because you see the thing, you see, the thing about our, our sins and our follies and our adverbing is that in the strangest of ways, they also point us to Jesus. Like in this, this story, the story in the, the passion narrative with, with, all, with all its darkness um, and disputing and adverbing and betrayal, it all, in, in its own way, it points to Jesus. It's the folly of these disciples and it's the utter darkness of that, that everything is absolutely bleak and dark that makes us hone in and treasure the one little bit of light. Not one little bit, the huge bit of light that shows forth in Jesus. It's all that darkness that all the more might just say, Dear God, where would we be without this one, without this Jesus? This Jesus who, quoting Isaiah's prophecy of himself, says, I must be numbered with the transgressors. A beautiful phrase, numbered with Peter, the transgressor. And then with the rest of the apostles, transgressors. On the cross, numbered between these two thieves, transgressors. Numbered there where the adverbs really flew. If you really were the son of God, if you're actually who you said you were, come on down and save yourself, save us. And then the circle of transgressors that widens and widens and widens. Jesus insists not on saving himself, but be numbered with being on the cross for the posturers and the excusers and the accusers and the self-justifiers. Jesus numbered with the transgressors so that when all is said and done, we transgressors might be numbered with him, 
might be forgiven with him, might be comforted in him. Even though we die, we'll yet one day rise to live numbered with him in glory. So, even though it would be a good idea to to ban adverbs, since if in some way we can even salvage our own folly and sin as a way to point us to Jesus, like, holy cow, if we're that far gone, (laughs) we so need a Savior. Perhaps we can salvage some adverbs for good use as well. Something like this. Jesus numbered with the transgressors, not just your Savior, but morally, ethically, spiritually, physically, positively, absolutely, undeniably, reliably, not only merely, but most sincerely, truly, really, actually, and forever. He's your Lord and your God and your Savior. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.